Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Is false teaching within the church really dangerous? Matthew 16.6 says, Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This verse is a statement that Jesus made to his disciples during his ministry after a particularly contentious clash with the Pharisees. And at first glance, this statement can seem kind of confusing because leaven, of course, is what we today call yeast. And Jesus was using this idea of leaven to communicate something that the disciples needed to be aware of. In scripture, oftentimes, the concept of leaven is tied up with the idea of sin or of uncleanliness. When the children of Israel were about to leave Egypt, about to be led out by God with a mighty hand, they received instructions from God to prepare for the Passover. This was that tenth and final plague where God was going to send a destroying angel through the land of Egypt, and he was going to strike down the firstborn of every household. But if the Israelites followed these instructions, which included a certain way of eating, bringing a lamb into their house for a certain period of time, killing the lamb eating the lamb together as a family in token of the remembrance of what God was going to do, and painting the doorposts of their houses with the blood of the lamb, then the angel would pass over them, and their household would be spared, meaning that the firstborn in their household would not die. And part of the preparation for this Passover event was that they were to have no leaven within their houses for seven days. And this statute about leaven was a requirement heading into the Passover festival every year. This was something that was to be observed whenever the feast was observed. They were not to have leaven in their house or to use leaven for seven days. And this idea gave the idea of purification. Now, without leaven, obviously, bread does not rise. It does not have that soft and fluffy texture when you eat it. Bread baked without leaven is flat and can be even crispy if it's cooked long enough. But it is more tough and it also lasts longer. It doesn't decay or mold as quickly. And so it can be used for travel. It can be used when you're in haste. And it's easy to bake because you don't have to allow proofing time for the dough to rise. And this idea of eating unleavened bread when you were about to flee a nation that had been enslaving you was part of the concept of leaving in haste. God wanted everything about the Passover to remind the children of Israel that they left in haste. But leaven also in the scriptures was synonymous with sin. And this idea that leaven spreads easily through an entire loaf of bread, just like sin spreads easily through an entire life, was very much a picture and symbolism of how sin affects life. See, the dough, when you start with just the flour and the other ingredients to make dough, it is pure. It is pure dough that has nothing in it. It will stay in that state for a long period of time. You can bake it and it will last for a long period of time because it is pure. When you add leaven into the dough, however, you start a clock. And that clock means that you must do something with that dough quickly. 
The leaven spreads throughout the dough very quickly, and the leaven grows because leaven is yeast, which is an active living bacteria, which grows throughout and spreads throughout the entire batch of dough. Once you put it in, you can never take it out. And it fundamentally changes the bread forever. The dough will never be the same. The dough is always going to have leaven in it. If you now want unleavened dough, you have to throw away the entire batch, clean the bowl that you were mixing the dough in very well so as to remove all of the leaven, and start with a fresh batch of dough. And so you can see that there's a lot of similarities between leaven and sin. Adam and Eve were perfect in the garden. That's how God made them. He made them unspoiled, pure, without sin. Once they chose to rebel against God, they brought sin into the world and mixed it into the process of human life. It was no longer able to be removed. In fact, all it did from that point on was grow and grow and grow. One sin committed by two people spread to billions and billions and billions of people throughout all of history. Always growing, always becoming worse, always finding new ways to engage with evil and to find new ways to disobey God. And so we see that very much the way yeast continues to work its way through an entire batch of dough, and if left alone will actually cause the dough to rise so much that it will spill over the top of the bowl that it is contained in, so sin will continue to grow and overflow the heart and come out in the actions of people who continue to engage in this sin as it continues to grow within their hearts. And there is no way to remove sin. It's impossible. Even when God destroyed the whole world and saved only Noah and his family through the flood, there was still sin within Noah and his family. There was still that heart of evil, that heart of rebelliousness that had been handed down from Adam and Eve to all people. And even though Noah and his family were righteous and loved the Lord, a sinful heart still existed within each of them. And as time went by, that sin reared its ugly head through their descendants again, and the world continued to be sinful. And ultimately, the sin could never be removed from this world. Since Adam and Eve had let it in, it was going to be here forever until God destroyed the world. Now, through his son, Jesus Christ, he made a way of forgiveness. But the punishment was still born by Jesus. It didn't just go away. It's not like God and Jesus just got together, had a huddle, and decided to get rid of all the sin. Jesus paid the penalty for all of that sin. And sin still exists in the world today, even in the lives of believers who are striving to live obedient lives for God. Because until Jesus returns and judges the world once and for all, and puts an end to sin forever, it will never go away. But praise God that Jesus has paid the debt for those who put their faith and trust in him. But you can see why leaven and sin are compared in the scriptures, because they act in very similar ways. So what on earth could Jesus possibly have meant when he told his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? And the basic answer to this question is actually in the scriptures just a few verses after the verse that we're looking at today, where it says that the disciples finally realized that Jesus was talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What Jesus was saying is, the scripture is pure. But over time, the religious leaders of Israel, who did not have hearts that were focused on being obedient to God, they were focused on serving themselves, had added to the word of God. They had added all these extra commandments, all these extra laws, all these extra regulations that were not of God, they were of man. 
And they were not even in line with God's word. There were many, many rabbinical teachings in that time that were totally contradictory to God's word. In fact, Jesus would even get into it with the Pharisees over the question of divorce because there were many rabbis teaching that a man could divorce his wife for anything, even something as simple as a poorly cooked meal. And so the teaching of the religious leaders had strayed wildly from God's word because it was constantly being edited and changed and adjusted so that it matched the political agenda of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the ruling rabbis of that day. And ultimately what they had done is they had taken this beautiful word of God, this perfect, pure scripture that was there for the teaching and the godly instruction of Israel And they had begun to cloud it with man's teaching, which is fallible and flawed and unreliable. They had started to add to it their own writings, holding their own writings to the same level or almost to the same level as the scriptures. And they were teaching from their own skewed perspective rather than throwing out their own ideas and constantly realigning themselves with the word of God. Now, just in case you should think that this was only a problem on earth when Jesus was on earth... That is not the case. In fact, in the modern Western church, we have allowed far too much leaven into our teaching. While there still are some godly men who teach the word the way it was meant to be taught and constantly realign their teaching with the scriptures in an effort to purge every false thought from their mind and to be continually aligned with God's word, There are many under the name of the church who are teaching things that are not found in scripture at all. They are teaching theories and doctrines that find no basis in the word and many of which even contradict the word of God. And this is why it's so important for everyday believers who are not in ministry, who are not in the pulpit, who are not in the pastorate, to know their scriptures well so that they can identify when church leadership is teaching something that is not consistent with God's word. And I'm not telling you that you need to constantly nag your pastor at your church to make sure that everything they say from the pulpit is 100% perfect and they never make a mistake. Those who teach from the pulpit are human. And there are times when they stand in the pulpit and preach from their heart and they preach the word of God and they say the wrong thing. And this happens because no man is perfect. But every person who is handling the word of God must take extreme care to ensure that they are handling the word of God properly. Whether it is someone teaching a small group or a youth group study or from the pulpit of a church on Sunday morning. Handling the word of God is an intense responsibility. In fact, God says that he is going to hold those who handle his word and teach it publicly to an extremely high standard to ensure that they do not malign or misrepresent his word. And so it is important that every believer studies the scriptures diligently so that when they do come across false teaching, even if it's from the pulpit of their own church, they are able to, in love, humbly come to those who are in authority and charged with the responsibility of teaching the word and show them from scripture the error that they have found within their teaching. And for those who teach from the pulpit, they need to remember that they must be humble and ready to hear from others if they make a mistake that is seen. This is not a bad thing. After all, as teachers who are held to a higher standard by God, everyone who teaches the word should want to know if they've made a mistake so that they can correct it. But why was Jesus so adamant about his disciples being aware of false teaching? 
Well, the answer is that like leaven spreads through dough and like sin spreads through the hearts of humans, false teaching is quick to catch on. A lot of times, false teaching is more appealing to sinful hearts because it is not the truth. And so it speaks to that part of our hearts that is sinful. It appeals to that part of our hearts that says, I want to be the Lord of my own life. I don't want to serve Jesus. I want to serve myself. And so when you hear a false teaching, whether it's about finances or morality or some other doctrine that is appealing to our sin nature, instead of embracing that, you should be ready to say that is not consistent with what the scripture says. If your mind is constantly being filled by the scriptures and steeped in the scriptures and washed by the scriptures, then when you run into something that is not accurate or is false, you will be able to identify it. And more than being able to identify it, you will be able to know what is wrong about it and what the correct teaching would be. Because ultimately, false teaching leads the human heart away from God. And when the human heart is led away from God, it is led into the pursuit of sin. And the pursuit of sin brings punishment, brings sorrow, brings death to those who are not within the body of Christ. And certainly, even if you are a Christian and you are led into sin by false teaching, God is going to discipline you and you are going to have sorrow and pain in your life as a result of the sin that you have embraced through this false teaching. Now, I know firsthand that it can be difficult to stand up against those who are promoting false teaching, those who are misusing the scriptures to meet their agenda. But it is far more painful to have to deal with the consequences of the sin that will come from embracing false teaching than it is to deal with the persecution that will come from standing up for God's word and standing up for that which is right against someone who is promoting false teaching. Now, what is this false teaching? Well, it's simple. It's anything that contradicts the scriptures. The scriptures are the purest form of teaching. They are Jesus' words and God's words recorded for mankind through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they are without error. They are good for teaching and instruction, and they are good for learning how to follow God and serve him in the way that he desires his children should serve him. It is the manual for living the Christian life. And while it may not answer every specific question in black and white, the principles found within the Word of God and the heart attitudes found within the Word of God and the teachings found within the Word of God will lead us by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be able to answer every question in accordance with God's will that we are confronted with. And on top of that, wherever we lack wisdom, James says that we can freely ask of God who will then speak to us through the scriptures by the Holy Spirit so that we can know how to handle the questions that come up against us in this life. And this is why it is so important that you know your scriptures and that you are in the scriptures regularly so that no matter who you're listening to, no matter what teacher, no matter how well-known they are, how gifted they are, how much they know the scriptures, how many great sermons they've preached, or how much truth they've taught you in the past, you can always go back to the one thing that is infallible, that never changes, and check all of the teaching that you hear. Because no matter who's teaching you, you must always be prepared to check what they say against the Word of God. And that goes for this podcast too. Everything I say on this podcast, you should check against the Word of God. 
Because ultimately, God's words are perfect, mine are not. And no teacher living has perfect words. Those of us who love God with all our heart, check our words over and over and over again against God's words, but we are still fallible and we can still make mistakes. But the best safeguard against false teaching is when those in the church who are not in the ministry, but are going to church to listen to teaching every week, are familiar with the word of God and are prepared and equipped to hold those who are teaching accountable for teaching proper doctrine according to the truth of God's word, so that the church that they are teaching to will be edified by the words that they say. False teachings destroy the church. We are seeing that happen real time in our culture today. And the only solution is not to try to fix the dough or to try to pick the false teachings out of the dough. It's to throw away the dough, to humble ourselves and repent before God, to empty our hearts of everything that we have in them, to cry out to him to make our hearts new and to clean us of all these false teachings, and to go back to his word and center everything that we do in our discipleship walk around the word of God so that we will be truly obedient followers of Jesus Christ and bring the light of the gospel to the entire world. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.